Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. It is the end of 2019, almost 2020, and have you made a New Year's resolution? If you're like a lot of us, we always want to lose weight, exercise more, maybe make more money, maybe spend more time with family, do some more activities outdoors. And there are some easy things that we can focus on that will really help us to achieve some of those lifestyle goals. Today, I'm joined in the studio with Jennifer Davis. She's a registered dietitian at Kaiser Permanente Hawaii. And we're going to talk today about what if you decide that your New Year's resolution is going to have to do with lifestyle, some of the foods you eat, and trying to be a bit healthier? What are some myths that might be out there about dietary interventions? And what are some easy things and rules that we can all follow so that we can hopefully stay as healthy as possible for as long as we can? So thank you for joining me today in the studio. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being here. Now, let's talk. Do you have a New Year's resolution? I'm working on it. I think more sleep, actually. But I am trying to... Oh, I to, like that. Yeah, like I think I need to sleep a little bit more because I know that that has really great health benefits, too, or just be more consistent with my sleep. Excellent. That's a good one. I always plan on exercising more. I always plan on not eating Snicker bars ever again. That's so unrealistic. Love them. They really are satisfying. But a lot of folks find themselves making a resolution of healthier eating habits, trying to do a little bit better than they were before. For those people who say, that's it, I'm going to go on a diet January 1, I'm going to cut out all chocolate, cut out all sugar, I am just going to eat healthy foods, what is the statistical likelihood that that's going to work? Probably not very high. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) They might be able to stay on it for a little while, but that's just to imagine that you want to be really uh, resistant and just make a whole huge lifestyle change usually doesn't work because... Making a change takes usually like up to 20 days just to do maybe one simple thing. Well, and I always find that if somebody says, don't think of chocolate. Well, you know it's in my head right now, chocolate. I'm thinking about it. So sometimes restricting yourself pretty strictly, it kind of backfires. You kind of go crazy and just binge on whatever it is you haven't been eating and you love it, but then you feel bad. And you start this kind of cycle of, of just being negative about what you've done and it just kind of doesn't go well. Absolutely. And starving yourself in any way actually contributes to that. So let's talk a little bit about some of the latest crazes that are out there, because there are always different dietary programs and people hear about them either on television or they see celebrities do certain things or they hear about their friends doing certain things. So why don't we take a few of those and kind of describe what it is? Is it healthy or is there a potential way that something along those lines has a, has a healthier focus? So let's talk first about, you mentioned starving yourself. What about the folks who say, I'm just going to eat a certain amount of time during the day, like eight hours eating and then fasting the rest of the day? Is that a good plan or is that kind of going to backfire? What's, what's with that intermittent fasting that we hear about? Yeah, it sounds so lovely, doesn't it? And and really, you, fasting sounds lovely. Uh, not to me. This, I'm hungry right now. This intermittent thing, though, that you just would have a timeline that you can eat sort of whatever you want during this time, and then as long as you're just not eating at these other hours, that you will eventually lose weight. But you aren't necessarily fueling your body maybe during the time that you need to have fuel. So you wake up, you know, say I'm not going to eat breakfast. That's usually a pretty bad plan because you need that energy just like your car is like your body's like a car and you're not giving yourself any fuel 
So that's not the best idea. I think a lot of people will stop eating at night because those calories usually tend to just be stored or you don't really need that energy. But that doesn't necessarily have to be some trendy intermittent fasting. That could just be like, okay. Don't have, have a midnight snack. Yeah, don't have a midnight snack. So they call it that. And by restricting uh, consumption during certain hours, usually people do have some um, success with that. But then at the other time, it could definitely backfire and you would all of a sudden get more into it, um, wanting to binge. So just because you say I'm only going to eat from like 8 a.m. to 4 p.m., that doesn't mean that you're eating healthy between 8 a.m. and 4 p.m. Right. So whether or not you call it intermittent fasting or you just, you know, binge eat a lot of junk food, mm-hmm. the time you eat it is not necessarily going to give you the best benefit. General common sense, don't eat if you're going to go lay down and go to bed. And if you're going to go exercise, try not to put yourself in a position where you don't have the energy to do it. Correct. And you should be, you know, ideally perhaps eating a a little bit throughout the day so that you never get to where you're just totally starving and then you overeat. I mean, what's the worst thing? Going into a grocery store when you are starving and next thing you know, like everything's Are you following me? Because like I did that this past weekend <laughs> like, and it was such a bad plan. Like it's you get hungry and angry, you get hangry. Absolutely. And then you have to have your front seat snack in the car. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not a good plan. Don't go and definitely don't go to Costco hungry. Because when you commit a food crime at Costco, <laughs> it's in bulk. I mean, you, you want one muffin, you just bought a dozen. And they will not let you leave that store without those. And it's $400 later when you walk out. Well, you know, you have been following me. Thanks for that. <laughs> so, so intermittent fasting, just common sense. Eat when you need to. Be careful what you're eating. Don't eat before bedtime. And just to put certain hours on your eating may not really change if what you're eating isn't good to begin with. Absolutely. Okay. Keto. I keep hearing about keto. It sounds to me like it's Adkins revised. That it is. Okay. So you're avoiding carbohydrate. You're getting most of your uh, macronutrients from high fat foods and protein foods. So that was kind of the Atkins diet. You end up usually losing weight because you're peeing off a lot of water initially. Um, it can have some benefits for some patients like with diabetes as far as having a little bit less carbohydrate. But when you're eliminating a whole group of foods, say carbohydrate, which is really the ideal fuel for your body, and you're eating mostly protein, which we only need a certain amount of protein every day. Other than that, we're just going to pee it off. And also high fat foods. There's not a lot of studies that show that high saturated fat diet is good for our health. We know the opposite. So you said you only need a certain amount of protein. Correct. How much do you need? You would need just say about a gram per kilogram body weight. That would be a good estimate. So ideal body weight? Well, your actual body weight. Actual body weight. Yeah. So you get it in kilograms, right. and that's how much protein you need. Right. So if you took your weight, like 120 pounds, you divide that by 2.2, that's 54.5 kilos. So it's about 54 grams of protein. And what happens if you eat too much of that? You don't need that protein, so you're just going to pee it off. That's not necessarily great for your kidneys if you go on a really super high-protein diet. Because it puts stress on your kidneys. Exactly. And what happens if you have less than your goal of 54? Then you might start to, uh, maybe your hair will get a little dry, your nails might be brittle. So you need, but it's pretty easy to get, even in plant foods. So So you might break down muscle to get protein if you don't have enough? Absolutely. So if you're going low on the protein, 
and you're trying to work out and build up muscle mm-hmm. at the gym, you're telling your body to build muscle while you're breaking it down. It's just a mixed Correct. message, not going to work. And if you're doing weights, you might need a little bit more protein than that uh, one gram per kilogram body weight. Or if you were like sick or if you were had a burn, you know, you might have higher protein needs. But in general, we think about a gram per kilogram body weight. Now, you mentioned you can get plenty of protein in plant-based foods. Really? Where? Oh, you can get them in your green leafies. You can also get them in nuts, right? We look at peanut butter and um, all these new nut butters. But even just in our vegetables, there's protein. So what vegetable has the most protein? Or give me one that has protein off the top of your head. Spinach. Spinach has protein. Okay. And iron. And there's other good things. Right. And it's a green leafy vegetable. Right. All right. What about peas? What about them? They would be high protein. They're kind of good. And then legumes. So those are plant-based foods. What's a legume? They could be our black beans. Are they just beans? Or lentils. Okay. Or kidney beans. But that's another word. They're also called pulsos. Yeah. Well, you had me at legumes. Like, why do I want to call it that? So, all right. I am learning lots. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Jennifer Davis. She's a registered dietitian at Kaiser Permanente Hawaii. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the other fad dietary programs and what exactly is a carbohydrate and why should I no longer fear it or maybe just certain carbohydrates. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Pacific Database, Chaminade University, and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Jennifer Davis, registered dietitian at Kaiser Permanente Hawaii. And right before the break, we were talking about how can you get protein in plant-based foods. And you mentioned legumes, the lentils, the kidney beans. The beans are a good source of protein. Spinach, another good source of protein. We also talked a little bit about the latest craze of the keto diet, which is trying to put the body in a state of what we call ketosis because you're not getting in regular carbohydrates. What exactly is a carbohydrate and why does everybody say they're so bad for us? Well, carbohydrates are the main source of fuel. Um, They're a macronutrient. It's basically carbon and hydrogen. They're found in your grains and your vegetables and your fruits. And we also have some carbohydrate in our dairy products. So when you think of lactose, that's a milk sugar. So it's things that break down into sugar. We have refined carbohydrates. So when you're thinking of, say, um, white rice, we've taken the endosperm off of that rice. We've taken off the fiber. And fiber is your friend. So when you think of carbohydrates, you don't want the refined carbohydrates because they have already been somewhat processed. They're already broken down. Your body doesn't have to do very much to um, metabolize them into your bloodstream. They're just going to digest them, and they're going to go right into your bloodstream, shoot your bloodstream up. So things like a candy bar, okay, that's carbohydrate because it's a very simple sugar. But if you had a baked potato, that's a complex carbohydrate. It's a longer molecule. It has the fiber. It's going to take longer to break down. Now, when you talk about this causing your sugar to rise quickly, is that what they're referring to when they talk about a glycemic index? A glycemic index, that's what they do look at specific foods and certain foods do have a um, different rise in the blood sugar, but it's also how your body actually responds to that. So some people use the glycemic index um, as, okay, that they might personally say they eat an orange and that, that really jacks their blood sugar up really fast, but somebody else might not. So it's, is it a more personalized It's a little bit personalized. Mm-hmm. 
And so you mentioned that refined carbohydrates are the type that generally don't require your body's effort to digest. So you absorb them very quickly and they get into your bloodstream and then that potentially could cause a problem. We do see that with a lot of people who might have diabetes, a problem where there's too much sugar in the bloodstream. What would be better choices? You mentioned brown brown rice versus white rice, sort of rice with the husk on it. That can be helpful. Are there other types of substitutions that can be healthier that are not as refined? Well, we're thinking about foods in their most natural state. So those are going to be the best choices for carbohydrates. So whole grain breads in general versus white bread. It's going to take longer to break that down. Different types of cereals. So say the one that's the least processed. So you might think of like steel oats versus a instant oatmeal. Both carbohydrate, but one's already been broken down. It's been somewhat processed. And so in our generations of having things really easy to get convenience foods, we have take it a step away. We've processed that food. And when we do that, that carbohydrate is now changed from perhaps um, more of a long chain carbohydrate, or we consider complex, into much easier to enter the bloodstream. Even an example of having a smoothie, where if you ate all of those fruits with all that fiber, compared to you put it in a blender and you take a away that whole step of digestion, it's going to go in your bloodstream much quicker, much higher concentration of carbohydrate. You could get 50 grams of carbohydrate really quick that way. Yeah, it's funny. I had a patient a few years ago that was blending a lot of fruit, and they told me how much fruit were in these smoothies. I mean, we're talking like four bananas, a whole basket of strawberries, more blueberries than they could count. They were throwing all different sorts of things in there. And I said to them, would you ever sit down and eat that much fruit in one sitting. And they're like, oh, no, I'd be full after just a couple of bites. And I'm like, but you just drank that. So consider that it might be better to have the fruit itself than it would be to have the juice of multiple of that fruit, like orange juice versus having an orange, or like you mentioned, a smoothie. Are there instant healthy foods? I mean, I know maybe that's just an oxymoron, but if you don't really want to cook steel oats, but you need to have something that is easy and fast and good and healthy for breakfast, what could you do? Well, you could maybe do some overnight oats and just put them in the refrigerator with some type of milk or almond milk or yogurt, and you really wouldn't even have to cook the oats. So that's pretty quick. You've had me sold on don't have to cook. (laughs) Or maybe overnight, throw it in the fridge. Uh, Okay. Chia seeds, you can put those in the fridge. You just rinse them off and add them to your favorite uh, type of dairy milk or even yogurt and put them in the fridge overnight, and you're ready to go. You can make a whole pan of like baked oatmeal and then just take a slice off in the morning. So there's other ways to have like higher nutrient value oatmeal but even the longer cooking, so there's somewhere in between steel oats and the process that's, what, a minute. It's not that long. So really, the time excuse is just bogus. It's pretty bogus on the oatmeal. <laughs> okay, and you're looking at me, and I'm like, there goes all my excuses. I don't have a minute. That's then, a lie. And okay. then if you can top that with some fruit and maybe some flaxseed or even some pumpkin seeds, and you start adding some of these other really great foods to that, you're sort of thinking each day that you want a wide variety of foods, a certain servings of berries and different types of fruits and vegetables and a couple servings of seeds, and you look at your uh, food consumption that way, it gives a little bit more flexibility than just a calorie level or a diet plan. You're just thinking, okay, these are foods that I should be incorporating into my diet every day. So let's start off with with breakfast. And that one's, they say it's the most important meal of the day. 
So what about lunch? Lunch is something that a lot of people don't have a lot of time for. So they might be working. They might not have prepared something. They might go to a cafeteria or they might go to somewhere to a restaurant or somewhere at lunch. And they've got to get something quick and fast and and something that will give them some sustenance. But they don't want to have that afternoon like a lull of I would pay somebody to let me take a nap. So what kinds of foods could somebody have for lunch that might be filling and might help them with some of their some of their desire to eat healthier foods? Well, probably the easiest thing that I see most often is somebody bringing their leftover dinner for lunch the next day. That way you're sort of killing two birds with one stone. You've made it for dinner. You've already gone through the work of cooking it, and now you're bringing it along. But you could easily just grab, um, have a, you know, a sandwich on some whole grain bread, throw some other vegetables on there, a side of a cutie. I mean, fruit is fast food. So when you think of, like, I need something fast, like fruit is some of your best choices. You don't even have to do anything for that. Okay, I'm writing that down. Fruit is fast food. I really like that. So just when you think you don't have time, you need fast food, uh, you know, you have a banana, you have an orange, like the little cutie mandarin oranges. They don't even have seeds. I mean, you really can't complain when there's not even a seed. And there was a whole bag for $5 this week. (laughs) That is not the food crime I committed, but we will not get any further into Uh, that. So fruit is fast food. I really like that idea. So you could grab a piece of fruit if you wanted something that's dessert-like and you wanted that sweet taste. Uh, Get fruit, strawberries, put them on your salad or something that will help you to get that taste but not necessarily to reach for a strawberry milkshake or something that might be too much of the sweetness. And you could take leftovers from your salad that night and put it in a pita or in a wrap for the next day. Easily make that. If you have an apple, maybe have some nut butter with that to add a little protein so that you're not just only having carbohydrate. Because the benefit of having some protein when you do eat um, carbohydrates, even complex, is that it does slow the absorption of that food down. And so it stays by you a little bit longer. So you might not be as hungry at two o'clock in the afternoon if you had a little peanut butter because it has the protein and the fat. Now, let's say you are hungry at two o'clock in the afternoon. How about some popcorn? You can have some popcorn, some sort of high grain, high fiber type of uh, treat. Um, and that's usually pretty cheap. You could roast some garbanzo beans and have those. Those are pretty trendy now, and it's um, easy to make. You just rinse them and put herbs and spices and cook them in, like, maybe 400 and on a cookie sheet. You could do that with vegetables. You could uh, roast up some sweet potatoes, one of the most healthy foods, and have that as your snack ready to go. I love the fact that sweet potatoes are healthy because sweet is in it, and it actually tastes really good. <laughs> and it's one of the healthiest foods. You know, that's it. I want sweet potatoes right now. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Jennifer Davis. She is a registered dietitian at Kaiser Permanente Hawaii. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the ways that anybody who wants to start following a healthier lifestyle can really pick up on the plant-based idea, what animal products people can have, what's good, what maybe might need to be uh, to be avoided a little bit. And we'll just go over some success stories that she's seen over the years that have helped people to really refine their diet because the idea is that if you are what you eat and you feel better with more energy, you're going to be able to do more of those activities that you really enjoy. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting and Island Insurance. 
Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Jennifer Davis, registered dietitian from Kaiser Permanente, Hawaii. And right before the break, we were talking a little bit about some examples of foods you could have during the day to keep you full, give you energy, and not necessarily make you have that afternoon lull of all of your energy, which sometimes happens with certain types of foods in the diet, particularly a lot of carbohydrates for lunch might make you feel sleepy if your stomach's just digesting all the carbos and the blood flow is not going necessarily to your brain. Now, we talked a little bit about different dietary programs, but another sort of buzzword these days, which is actually probably a healthy thing that we should be buzzing about, is the concept of plant-based diets. What's a plant-based diet? And are there animal products that are actually healthy that you can have? Well, when we think of a whole food plant-based diet, there's different extremes. So you could start off with just making a transition to incorporate more of these whole food plants into your diet. So maybe your New Year's resolution is just to, hey, I'm going to increase my vegetable consumption, even one more vegetable per day. Or how about have a meatless meal at least once a day or twice a day, and then maybe just do it on Mondays and Wednesdays or Wednesdays and weekends. But the idea of transitioning over to more of these whole food plant-based, it's getting much more mainstream. Ten years ago, a vegetarian burger would not have sold, and now people are lining up for whatever it could be to taste like a burger, knowing that there's better benefits to these products. So when we're looking at this idea of plant-based, it doesn't mean that you have to go 100%. A lot of times people feel like, if I don't do it all the time, I'm just not doing it. But I like the idea of an 80-20 rule. 80% of the time, do your very best. And if 20% of the time, you might fall off, it's okay. You're still doing the right thing most of the time. Exactly. And I think it's a hard diet to just say on January 1st, I'm going to become whole food plant-based diet. Absolutely. That's okay. A, and then January 2nd, yeah. I am going to go back to Snickers bars, <laughs> yeah. I swear. So so let's not make any drastic moves. Yeah. Okay. Got it. That would be hard, but it's definitely going to be a big trend in 2020. And looking forward, it's no longer, there's so much evidence and research behind the benefits of a whole food plant-based diet in not only disease prevention, preventing chronic diseases, but even disease reversal. So patients who have diabetes, who have cardiac disease, are able to get off of their medications transitioning over to a whole food plant-based diet. However, that's not that easy. They might need some support. There needs to be some time while they're making those changes. And they still might struggle on, okay, I still want to have Greek yogurt, and I still want to have some eggs in my diet. And so then we're kind of back to the 80-20, or maybe they still want to eat fish because they really love poke, or you know, whatever their favorite food is, that might be able to have that still once in a while. So plant-based, definitely possible. Whole food-based, definitely, so that's part of it. Do you have to eat organic? When we talk about People who go to food stores and they buy things and they're like, oh, there's an organic section. So maybe I should just go over there or they go to certain stores. What is the difference if you're going to go plant-based between just going to your regular food store and purchasing, you know, green leafy vegetables ver- or green greens versus getting organic? Is there a health difference between those two? Well, the organic foods supposedly are not, there's no pesticide or additives. So there is that benefit as far as they might be a little bit more nutrient-dense. However, I think you should choose local first. So we should be having food that is grown as close to where we are in our communities and supporting uh, sustainability in our local um, 
communities. And then after that, second best would be, okay, organic. But if you can't afford to eat organic everything, then you don't want to not be getting fruits and vegetables. You still want to increase fruits and vegetables. So perhaps if you have a banana that you're going to peel, why would you really be that worried about it? So there's probably certain foods versus others that might be more important to you. And it really depends on your on your budget. But if you're picking local, then you should be organic. So local, you'd find that at farmer's markets? Correct. But you also find it at the stores. I mean, at stores of, too, made in store, Okay. Yeah, a lot of the stores have more of the local produce. And that's definitely important. And same thing even with restaurants. When you go out to eat, this farm-to-table sort of idea of foods coming and being sourced locally. So that you might have these fancy microgreens that were, you know, just uh, grown down in Waimanalo. And the, it's a benefit for you because as a patron, because it's super delicious and nutritious, and then it's great for the farmers, and it's also great for the um, restaurant. So lots of different reasons why going local first would be a great plan. And then if it's a budgetary issue, try and find something that's healthier. Because I always find it ironic that some of the least healthy food is the cheapest. Why is that? Because they're making lots of money. No, I don't. Um, well, that's, that's actually a really it, good answer. It, that's a good point. It's, it, it's, they're selling a it's bunch of It's selling it. Okay. They're, it's a manufacturer. They're selling, you know, all of a sudden, you know. And I don't want to say any one particular food because all foods could potentially fit. It's not like you could never have a piece of chocolate. In fact, dark chocolate is actually pretty good for you. Yeah, well, um, dark chocolate is not the one I'm craving, but that's just besides the point. But so. I think that's a misconception, too, because beans are pretty cheap. So, okay. you know, I think there are really healthy foods that are pretty cheap. In fact, red cabbage is one of the healthiest foods out there. It's really awesome as far as the antioxidants. And it lasts forever in the fridge. And all you'd have to do is just slice a little bit off and put it, you know, on a sandwich in your salad in a stir fry. And it's really nutrient dense for the for the money. So I don't think it's always true that it costs more. Um, but people have that idea because especially here in Hawaii too, fruits and vegetables are more expensive. But when I go to the farmer's market, you know, it's I get three cucumbers for $2. Do you grow some of your own foods? I don't, but I'm interested in growing these microgreens because you can actually grow them uh, in your house under some some lights. Um, and you can also grow uh, broccoli sprouts pretty easily. And they're one of the most nutritious foods too. So what are your top five? Top five favorite highly dense nutritious foods that if somebody just added one of those would be adding a lot of antioxidants and a lot of different nutrients to their diet? I would probably start off with the sweet potatoes. I'd start off with the red cabbage. Definitely is one of the most healthy foods. Cauliflower is actually, and it's pretty trendy now in all sorts of shapes and forms um, because it's a cruciferous vegetable and those have some anti-cancer benefits. Um, What else would I pick? There's so many choices. Well, give me a blueberries. I love blueberries. Blueberries. Like anything really colorful, or even like deep cherries. The cherry juice um, is amazing. Beets. So whenever we're seeing things that are really rich in color, and you need a lot of those kind of eating the rainbow idea, there's benefits to each of those colors. So go for the color, absolutely deep dark color. And if you were to just add sweet potatoes, you mentioned red cabbage, cauliflower. Blueberries or cherries and beets. And I love spinach, too. 
Well, that would be like six or seven I things. Know. But all right. That's a hard decision there. Well, and you could put all of those in a salad, literally. Mm-hmm. And you could have this delicious salad that you could bring, have for dinner, and then bring some extra the next day for lunch. Absolutely. And my daughter, she just roasted up some squash the other night for at Thanksgiving that we tossed with some rosemary, roasted it, and a little bit of maple syrup. And actually, as far as sweeteners, maple syrup is the sap of a tree, and it has some really great benefits, too. Maple syrup, honey along with that too? Honey and maple syrup. We're talking real maple syrup though, not the, you know, corn syrup type, the real 100% maple You're syrup. You're looking at me like, I, I would have bought that. Okay. <laughs> There's benefits to both of those. All right. Well, I absolutely want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show. You made me hungry and for some actual really good healthy foods. Jennifer Davis, registered dietitian at Kaiser Permanente, Hawaii. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on our podcast, hawaiipublicradio.org. Or you can also find us on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We hope you have a fabulous, healthy, and nutritious new year. And we will see you next week when we talk some more about health topics right here every Monday at 630 on The Body Show. We'll see you then.